This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. It's Wednesday. We are cruising through renal tubular acidosis. It feels good to go back to like some 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 very hardcore board review stuff. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of how we yeah. got started, right? I know. I know. Very <laughs> uh, very goal oriented type of uh, mm-hmm. reviews. Okay. Uh, are you are you ready to go? Anything mm-hmm. you want to update us on? Yeah, I can start. Please. All right. So today I'm talking to you about several things, uh, little odds and ends to try to wrap up our discussion before we talk to Dr. Starr and do some questions on Friday. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was this type 3 RTA that if you're like me and you purchase different editions of the book because of how your studying was shuffled by COVID-19, sort of made an appearance in some and then disappeared. So I just want to mention what is uh, combined mixed renal tubular acidosis, also known as type 3 renal tubular acidosis. Mm -hmm. So type 3 RTA combines clinical features of both proximal and distal RTA. It is a rare autosomal recessive disorder that manifests with osteopetrosis, which um, do not confuse with osteoporosis. It's osteopetrosis, which is a rare disorder (laughs) that causes bones to grow abnormally and become overly dense um, they're still they're still brittle and, and prone to fractures, but yeah, different. Um, so they're prone to uh, this rare autosomal recessive disorder manifest with osteopetrosis, cerebral calcifications, nephrocalcinosis, and nephrolithiasis, stones, facial dysmorphism that include hypertelorism, low set ears, and a depressed nasal bridge. Uh, they also have conductive hearing loss and cognitive impairment. So if you've been listening... Um, to the shows yesterday, you will see that this sort of incorporates some new features, but also a lot of stuff that we've attributed to both type one, some of them to type two. So that's why I guess the the, the name of type three, which is mixed, mixed, makes sense. It's a bit of a combination of the two. Uh, the cause of this disease is a mutation in one of the enzymes that we mentioned on Monday, which is the carbonic anhydrase two, which is the enzyme that helps you... Um, recover your bicarbonate intracellularly after it's presented into the lumen as CO2 and H2O, so that carbonic anhydrase 2 makes it H plus and H2O3 minus. Um, the role of, car- uh, we, we've, so we've talked about that, and carbonic anhydrase 2, the reason we have all these other symptoms is because it is also essential for osteoclast function, hence the presentation with osteopetrosis. As you lose, as you lose the function of carbonic anhydrase two, your uh, osteoclasts don't work, and that's why your bones are so dense. And so that is uh, type three RTA. I'm not going to spend too much, much more time on this if that's if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. No, I think so. Okay. The yeah. highlights. Yeah. So let's talk about type four renal tubular acidosis. So the pathophysiology of uh, type 4 RTA is an abnormal aldosterone production or change in the sensitivity of aldosterone. And there's a few subtypes. Um, There's 
it's um, there's actually five subtypes, um, and for the sake of of of, of time, uh, I will review type one, four, and five, which are the most common. So subtype one is an aldosterone deficiency and NACL wasting, increased renin, decreased pH, increased potassium, decreased urine aldosterone, and is associated with Addison's disease and congenital adrenal hyperplasia, right? So you're just not making aldosterone. Mm -hmm. Aldosterone is meant really to help you recover sodium, get rid of some potassium. And because that doesn't work, you have salt wasting, you have increased potassium, decreased pH, increased renin, and decreased urine aldosterone, diabetes, right? If you remember how like, mm -hmm. right, insulin resistance and stuff like that. So it's the same concepts. Subtype four is pseudo hypoaldosteronism, meaning you are making aldosterone, but your body is not really responding to the aldosterone you're making. And so in this case, you have increased urine aldosterone, right. unlike type subtype one, where there was not much urine aldosterone. Um, and the tubule is insensitive to the aldosterone, leading to salt wasting, decreased pH, and increased potassium. And you have more urine aldosterone, right? Because there's no inhibition, right? It just keeps, the body keeps making more and more aldosterone because it, it's trying to elicit a response from the kidneys that That's are insensitive. Right. That's okay. right. So in pseudo-hypoaldosteronism, pseudo, um, there's actually two types, one that is a milder type and one that is a more severe type. I thought it would be interesting to mention that the more severe form is inherited as an autosomal dominant disease. It is caused by a mutation in one of the three ENAC subunits, the ENAC channels, either the alpha, beta, or gamma, and it affects multiple tissues, which results in increased sodium concentration of sweat, saliva, and airway secretions, which is leading a lot of people to think that these kids have CF, and it's a mistake. Mm. So that's okay. kind of interesting, right? Because um, this is where certain pathologies can cross over. And I realize now that this we're trying to make this less confusing and I may just have confused everybody. And I apologize for that. Okay. The last type is subtype five, which is also known as early childhood RTA. And it is the most uh, common of these uh, subtypes that we've mentioned. And this is basically due to tubule that a tubule that is insensitive to the aldosterone effect. However, this is a process that matures with age. So basically with time, you should see normal salt, um, salt reabsorption, right? So this is just almost like a, a temporary thing. So let's talk a little bit about some of the clinical and laboratory findings. Um, this is hyper, we're dealing, in, in the case of type 4 RTA, we're dealing with a hyperkalemic RTA with hyperchloremic metabolic acidosis. Uh, in subtype 1, we said that we had salt wasting with decreased urine aldosterone. In subtype 4, we said that we have salt wasting with increased urine aldosterone because it's just not responding to the aldosterone you're making. And in subtype five, um, sodium reabsorption is normal. Now, renal stones in the case of type four RTA are rare. In the case of the management of these different RTAs, in the case of subtype one, which is that you're not making any aldosterone, then you're gonna give aldosterone replacement. In the case of type four and five, you're just gonna give bicarbonate. Now, um, 
the prognosis of type 4 RTA is usually good as long as the diagnosis is really made uh, in time because the poor growth and the failure to thrive mm -hmm. um, and, and lack of treatment could be an issue. Um, okay, I have a little bit more time. So I wanted to talk a little bit, um, now that we've covered the RTAs, about this, this idea of acidosis and urinary calcium excretion um, in the cases of RTA. So given our previous discussion, um, patients with type 2 RTA, right, um, wh why are they not developing hypercalciuria? Why are they not developing kidney stones as we see in patients with type 1 RTA? Um, and you've mentioned that a little bit yesterday, which is that mm -hmm. there's this discrepancy that has been explained in part by the differences in the urinary citrate excretion. So that's something that you brought up yesterday that I think we can hone in a little bit on because citrate basically binds calcium, right? And prevents it from precipitating as calcium oxalate or calcium phosphate salts. Now, when you have an alkaline pH found like in type 2 RTA, for example, it inhibits proximal tubular citrate reabsorption, which means that the citrate sort of stays in the lumen, which enhances the urinary excretion of citrate. Then those patients with proximal RTA type 2 have increased urinary citrate, which might prevent the precipitation of calcium along the tubule. Moreover, this increase in the luminal pH in the distal nephron is also uh, might also enhance the TRPV5 activity, resulting in increased calcium reabsorption and decreased urinary calcium excretion. Mm -hmm. So what, what, are, what are those things? Um, let me uh, talk about the, the TRPV5. So this involves one of the mechanisms um, by which metabolic acidosis can cause calciuria. And so um, this is due to a direct effect of low cellular pH on the distal nephron. And so um, although filtered calcium is reabsorbed predom predominantly in the proximal tubules or early on in the process, um, and, the thin and the thick ascending limb by uh, a passive paracellular process, the ultimate amount of urinary calcium excretion is finally regulated in the distal convoluted and connecting tubule. This process occurs via an active transcellular process mediated by the apical calcium influx through a calcium channel called the TRPV5, right? So this TRPV5 is one of these channels that is um, located distally that really mediates the absorption of calcium. Metabolic acidosis decreases calcium reabsorption from the distal nephron via decreasing TRPV5 expression. And they've actually done studies when they looked at TRPV5 knockout mice where um, suggesting that acidosis directly impairs uh, distal transcellular calcium reabsorption. The last thing I wanted to mention for today is the effect of acidosis on the bone. You've mentioned that yesterday, which is that... Um, the, there's a direct effect of acidosis on the bone, right? And the bone basically is covered with negatively charged sites that bind both sodium and potassium. But if you have an excess of H plus ions, then protons, those protons can be exchanged um, acutely with these uh, other cations. And the H plus ions rapidly dissolve the hydroxyapatite and thereby buffer the plasma pH and release calcium into the blood and the urine. And so prolonged exposure to acid 
inhibits the osteoblast, which create bone, and stimulate osteoclast activity, which result in the release of calcium from the bone and, in turn, calciurea. I hope that made sense. But at yeah, least that was helpful, I think. At least we've covered some odds and ends today. Odds and ends. Yeah. Okay. okay. Anything else, Daphna? No. No, I think that's it. We're looking forward to our expert tomorrow. You know, um, our neonatal colleagues and our nephrology colleagues, uh, so our neonatal colleagues who study the kidney and the nephrology colleagues, you know, they don't get as much uh, fame as some of the other organs Uh, and diseases in in neonatology. So maybe their time has come. So we're going to be the ones (laughs) highlighting them on the podcast. That's That's awesome. All right, Daphne, I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.